0: This is a hypothetically great podcast. This is Tech News for MBAs. I'm Paul Canetti. It is Tuesday, March 7th, 2023. So it's been a while since I recorded an episode of the podcast. Things have just been really busy, uh, all in good ways. I've launched a couple of new businesses, actually, in the uh, past few months. We've got the semester at Columbia Business School well underway, and um, tech news is still happening every week, but uh, I know I haven't been commenting on it as I usually would. So, you know, I don't want to commit to Our weekly cadence, as uh, my schedule really is sort of in flux right now. But every once in a while, I'm going to pop in and do an episode like today. And then we'll see kind of um, if things stabilize a bit. There's always this tension for me between building and talking. And I love talking about tech, uh, but I really love building tech even more and sometimes I get really sucked into builder mode and I write less, I record less, I talk less, and then I swing the other way. And maybe I'm, you know, in between projects or there's a bit of a lull in my building work. And then I like to really go heavy on the commentary. So uh you know bear with me as the cadence sort of fluctuates here with the podcast, but since this fall, things have happened in the world of tech as they always do. And um, by far the biggest thing to happen since the last time I recorded an episode of this podcast was the release of Chat GPT. And so while its release is not exactly breaking news anymore, I did think that it was worth popping in here to the old recording studio to um, do an episode about this sort of generative AI more broadly and what I think it means for tech, uh, what it means for startups, big companies, but most importantly, what it means for the consumer and uh, user behavior and sort of what we should expect to see in the coming months and really years around this technology and so this episode is dedicated to generative ai Um, this is ai that can create new and novel things that we've never read or seen or heard before and so um yeah we're gonna jump right in this is my thoughts on the future of generative ai Hopefully by now you have played with chat GPT. And if you haven't, honestly, don't listen to this episode, or at least not yet. You should just go and do this. Uh, it is a free tool. It is a revolutionary tool. And unless you've really experienced it yourself, even for five minutes, um, it's hard to have a meaningful conversation about this technology But let's assume that you have messed with it and you've been following the story here. You know, over 100 million people have already used this tool. It's the fastest growing consumer technology tool of all time. Uh, And what is it? It is a chatbot. And we've been talking about chatbots for so long that I almost say it uh, with a smirk because there's been this sort of, you know, mythology of the eventual chatbot that would feel like a human when you're talking to it. And it seems like finally we are there. There are moments during a conversation with ChatGPT where it really feels like you are in proximity to another human or at least another, you know, conscious being of some sort. And this is just an early version still, right? Like imagine how good this tech is going to get over the next few years. We can easily sort of make the assumption that it will feel like you are truly in conversation with someone. And um, that has a lot of interesting implications. But the most interesting perhaps is that this has been built as a set of APIs. And what that means is that other services, other companies can build on top of of this technology in completely new uh, ways. And so that's where I think we're going to see a lot of the innovation here is not just talking to the main bot, but really understanding how this technology could be applied to a multitude of other use cases. As I've been thinking about these tools, I realized that there's actually three different Things happening here. I mean, ultimately, there's a lot more than three, but there's three sort of main parts of something like ChatGPT, and I think each of them can potentially be leveraged in novel and uh, interesting ways by third-party developers. So let's take them one by one. The three different uh, parts of this sort of AI tool are the input, the output, and then The I don't even know what to call the third bucket here, but the training data, let's say. So the way these systems work is that they are trained on a large set of data. Uh, In the case of ChatGPT, it's basically read the entire Internet. And then the input is when you ask it something, you know, um, what is the capital of France? And it says the capital of France is Paris. That's the input and the output. But the way it knows that is because it's read, you know, millions and millions and millions of references to the capital of France, and all of them said Paris, and eventually it figures out. Okay, I guess that's the capital of France. So that when I ask it, it knows the answer. Each of these can be taken separately. So let's go one by one. The input is what you say, the prompt to uh, Chat GPT, right? So you say, you know. I want you to write a poem about, you know, the last season of Breaking Bad in the style of Shakespeare, and it will do that for you. And not only will it do that for you, but it understands what you mean when you say that. And if you later refer back to it, like if it gives you a poem and then you say, you know what? can you actually make it about family matters? It knows that the it you're talking about is the poem that you asked uh, in the last step. So you can have this sort of ongoing conversation uh, as opposed to think of something like a Google search or talking to Alexa where you basically, every couple of steps have to start over. It's like the, the tool gets amnesia, um, whereas a tool like this doesn't. and This natural language processing, the ability for it to understand what you're actually saying, what you actually mean, and to do that uh, over the course of a conversation um, is really, really amazing and new. And so the reason I say that this is sort of a separate component is that you could imagine the thing that you're asking for could be something totally mundane, like, you know, what is the weather today? Uh, sort of, that is the sort of thing we might ask Alexa. And the input is simply understanding the sentence. What is the weather today? The output there would be just pulling the temperature from a database, right? Like it's not creating anything. Uh, and so you could imagine applications that exist today, but that could replace or augment their input interfaces with this sort of natural language chat based input so it's the same thing on the output that you would get today and you're only changing the input i am able to ask this website or this app this service for what i want purely by speaking english i don't need to click on any buttons i don't need to fill out a form i don't need to choose from a pull down menu I can just speak the way I would normally speak to a human and it can actually get me the information I need. You know, imagine you're on Airbnb and today you search for the city or the region that you want to travel in and you have filters around price or how many bedrooms or bathrooms. Instead, imagine that you could just say, I'm looking for a three bedroom house in the Catskills Uh, between these dates and these dates, you know, under this price. uh, And it has to have a backyard and a barbecue. Just like I just said it to you. And then it would spit out those Airbnb results, right? So the results would still look exactly identical to Airbnb results from today. But just the input has changed. By the way, uh, while we were talking, I did ask GPT to write me a poem about the last season of Breaking Bad in the style of Shakespeare. And um, it's done, so I'll read it to you. Oh, Breaking Bad, how thou didst captivate. With drama and tension, thy plot didst innovate. But the last season, oh, how it didst amaze. With twists and turns that left us in a daze. The reign of Walter White, once mighty and proud. Didst crumble and fall, his fate was avowed. His crimes didst catch up, justice didst call. And in the end, he didst perish. Once and for all. His partner in crime, Jesse Pinkman by name, Didst suffer and struggle, with guilt and shame. Tortured and beaten, he didst endure, Until at last, he didst find a cure. The villainous Todd, with his cold dead eyes, did show no remorse, no pity, nor sighs. His loyalty to the boss, unwavering and true, Until his own demise, he didst rue. The showdown didst come, the battle didst waged, As Walt didst fight, with a lion's rage, but in the end he didst fall a victim of his sin, and the show didst end with a bitter-sweet grin, O oh, breaking bad, thou art a masterpiece, a story of pride, power, and deceit. thou wilt be remembered for ages to come, a work of art, like the plays of Shakespeare, a sum. I've never even seen the word didst before, D I D S T, but I'm guessing Shakespeare used it a lot because it's all over this poem. Anyway, let's talk about the output here, our second category. This poem that was just created. We're the first people to ever read this poem, it's never been uh written before. And if someone else were to prompt ChatGPT exactly the same, write a poem in the style of Shakespeare about the the uh last season of breaking bad, they'd get a different poem. And so the output here is this tool's ability to generate something brand new on the fly. Now we're talking mostly about text because ChatGPT, but when you use an image generation tool like Dolly, let's say, um Again, there's an input and an output and training in the same three categories, the output would be the the image. And so this is really interesting because you could potentially have this sort of output with uh, a traditional input. So imagine a form where you are filling out uh, different inputs, like, let's take the Airbnb example. Um, you could fill out a form sort of like today, right? Search for a city. Uh, choose the dates from the calendar, how many bedrooms, how many bathrooms, you know, do you want a barbecue? Do you want a backyard? Whatever, through a normal form, not through a chat interface. But the output could be a chat, right? It says, I found five properties in the Catskills that I think you'd like. The first one is really cute. It's right off the main street in the town within walking distance, and it has a barbecue and it has a this and that. The second house is blah, 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 blah right? And so here, you're just flipping it. The input could be a traditional input, but the output could be something generative. And again, you might want both to be uh, using this sort of AI, the input and the output, but there's no reason, there's no rule that says you have to use it for both. So you could decouple these and have a chat-based output or a generative-based output with a normal input. Or again, the inverse, you could have a chat-based input using natural language with a pretty like mundane normal output. And then the third category is the training data. And this is what basically teaches the tool what to say and how to understand your inputs. So if you have a proprietary set of data, uh, let's say that I wanted to train Chat GPT on all of my Email. I've been using Gmail since 2004, 2005, I want to say. So imagine if I said, I want to train ChatGPT on all of my email. Now, this is not a data set that it has access to normally because it's not publicly available. It's something private. You could also imagine all sorts of other proprietary data that a person or a company might have. So you train the system on this new set of data, and then you start asking it questions and it can generate new answers based on that particular type of data. Uh, and so, you know, I might say, uh, okay, can you write a new email to so-and-so asking if they are available for a meeting next week? And it would be able to write that email in the style of Paul's scheduling emails because it's read every scheduling email I've ever sent in my whole career. And so that would be really cool. First of all, it's kind of an awesome idea. But this is yet another category because in theory, you could have traditional inputs, traditional outputs with just a crazy uh, data training set. And so the data is actually its own differentiator. So when you think about new use cases for this technology, startups or incumbents that are incorporating it like Microsoft is doing, there are these three different ways that they could do that. They could bring natural language input into their existing products like the Airbnb example. They could bring natural language outputs uh, where they are Instead of showing you a gallery or a list of results, it's it's having someone essentially tell it to you the way a human would sort of summarize something for you or produce something for you, and then there's the idea that you can use those inputs and outputs with a new set of additional training data. Uh, there's an amazing company that I'm an investor in called Zelta, and Zelta is using the GPT API on the back end to train. Uh, on a new set of data, which is your company's customer support records. So imagine that you have a company, and you have customer support emails, you have telephone calls that have been, you know, transcribed into text. You have uh, a support chat, you know, like a live chat kind of thing. All of that information is being fed into the system. This could be millions and millions of hours of customer conversations, and then you could ask Zelta. Questions about your customers. You know what? What's the number one complaint our customers have, or what do people like the best about it, or what do they use the most, or whatever? Um, and the reason it knows the answers is because it has this special set of data, and you at your company would have access to that data, but uh, someone else outside your company wouldn't have access to that special data. So that's an example of that third category. So there are these three different ways that we can leverage AI. So that's the framework I've been thinking about. Input, output, and training data. Lastly, the thing that I want to end on when it comes to AI is that the AI we're using today uh, in these tools like ChatGPT are generic. And actually being trained in my email is, is a good segue into this. They're generic in the sense that we're all using the same tool. When you use google.com and I use google.com, we will actually get different search results. When you go to Amazon and I go to Amazon, we will see different suggested products. When you go to Netflix and I go to Netflix, we will see different things. When you go to Spotify and I go to Spotify, we will uh, see different things. When you open TikTok or Instagram and I open TikTok or Instagram, uh, we will see different things. This is because Software today is personalized all the way down to the individual level. And I believe that these AIs will be like that too. When you talk to your chat assistant or whatever, it will not be like me talking to my chat assistant because they will be custom tailored to each of us. And that will be certainly because it read all our emails and whatever, but also because it will be constantly self-improving itself based on the conversations that we're having. You know, if you download TikTok for the very first time and I download TikTok for the very first time and we control for everything else, we're both on iPhones, we're both in the same city uh, at the same time of day, same day of the week, maybe we would start to see the same things initially. But those experiences would start to diverge very quickly because the videos that you were watching versus the videos that I was watching or sort of lingering on while scrolling through the feed would be slightly different. And that would start to reinforce the algorithms in different ways. And eventually they would fork off and be totally different from one another, which is what it's like when two people open up the same social app. And so with these AIs, I think that you will have a personalized AI just for you that understands the way that you speak and make requests. It will know the sorts of answers you like and the styles that you like from the sources that you like. And when we talk about echo chambers, you know, on social media today, it's going to be a million times worse with these sorts of tools because ultimately um, it's just going to feed you the stuff that you Like that, you want, and it's going to be reinforced to keep doing that. Uh, And that will sort of collapse in on itself, but that will be completely specific to you and you alone. And so, if today we're sort of in these big echo chambers, you know, uh, there's two sides of this debate. Um, If there's a million people, there could be a million sides uh, in this future world. And I really do think that these tools are going to bring us further and further from one another and further and further from a common uh, a common reality, a common set of truths. Uh, there's nothing to do about it. like i i I'm not even lamenting this future because we just have to accept that that's what's going to happen. Um, and we should think about ways to sort of mitigate that. Uh, but these AIs are going to get to know you so well that it's going to be like talking to yourself or even better, like talking to your ideal partner. You know, think of um, that movie Her, uh, which is an amazing film, by the way. But that's really, I think, like pretty close. We're pretty close to the premise of that movie where you have someone in your ear or someone that you're texting with all day who can help you with pretty much anything all the time and gets to know you better than anyone ever could. Um, Because even our most, you know, closest loved ones, human loved ones, they're not with us every second of every day. Uh, They can't learn from every message we've ever sent or every conversation we've ever had or every search we've ever done, every site we've ever been to, every book we've ever read, every music song we've ever listened to. But these tools will. And once you have the training data that is specific to you and it gets really, really good at how you input uh, your prompts and the sorts of outputs that you uh, take to, it's going to just be crazy personalized. Personalized, like doesn't even cover it. Um, It will become part of your identity. And um, that's going to be a really different world. We're going to have these sort of digital twins that really, really understand us in a way that nobody else can. And will also be insanely helpful. Like if you think Google and Wikipedia and whatever is helpful today, I mean, these tools are going to be a gazillion times more helpful than that. So those are some of my evolving thoughts on um, generative AI. But uh, I'm too lazy to write a blog post. So that's why it's easier sometimes just to set up the mic. As far as ongoing tech headlines, again, these episodes will be sporadic for this semester. I apologize for that. But um, I'm Paul Canetti. And I will see you next time, whenever it is, on Tech News for MBAs. This is a really good podcast. (laughs)